This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sean, and this episode is the big fight reaction to Alexander Usyk getting a TKO in round nine over Daniel Dubois in what was a highly controversial affair between the two. Now, me and Johnston did the preview for this, and Johnston's now officially on his holidays. I'm just about to go on mine, but before I do, I wanted to do this episode and our big fight preview for next weekend's fights. So this episode really is me focusing on the controversy of this fight because I was actually at a concert when this fight took place last night and I come home and I was getting phone calls off my wife who was watching it and text messages off other people who watched the fight and I've watched the fight in full and it's in entirety today prior to recording this episode so I could get a full understanding of how the fight played out, how it went down, the controversy over the fifth round low blow or was it a low blow I'll come to that conversation of course in a moment but ultimately on paper now the result is a TKO win for Usyk in round number nine and it looks like Usyk's next fight is going to be against Philippe Hergovic as the IBF are ordering that fight to happen next so in the interim of Usyk versus Tyson Fury it looks like we are going to get Usyk versus Hergovic but that conversation is of course for another day this conversation is all about this fight last night and before I even get into the controversy of the fight, I just want to say how much credit Daniel Dubois should take from this particular performance because he did a lot better than maybe what myself and Johnston expected. In this fight, Daniel Dubois, I think, really shown that it was a win-win situation for him because he caused problems for Usyk in this fight, which... To be honest, I wasn't entirely expecting him to cause the problems that Usyk faced in this fight. 
But what he did do was he targeted that body area multiple times throughout the fight and they've done their homework going into it because in the past Usyk has been hurt to the body by Anthony Joshua in their rematch and, and previously in the cruiserweight division he'd been hurt in one of the fights in the World Boxing Super Series. So they'd done the homework, they targeted the body and ultimately that moment in round number five is what's caused all the controversy. Now, he did land a good right hand. I think it was in round number three, Dubois. And there wasn't really much said about that at that point. No real complaints, really, from Usyk at that point of the fight. But it was quite clear that the strategy was to not just target the head constantly and actually target the body. Because, really, if you look at the fight, Dubois' head movement wasn't the greatest in the world. He does get hit a little bit too much. However... With that being said, he was able to get to Usyk's body at a time when Usyk was vulnerable in his defence and he was able to hurt him, not just once, but on more than one occasion. But that fifth round in particular is where all the controversy starts. Now, I think I want to really address this because I know whatever I say in this episode, people are going to have maybe a completely different opinion or maybe they're going to have the exact same opinion as myself on this now now i've watched it back in full now i've been able to really assess the situation initially when i watched it i thought that seems pretty close to the belt line should that have really been given and i think at first i kind of agreed with a lot of people and there's a lot of people i respect in the sport of boxing that were absolutely adamant that it was a legitimate shot that landed. Now, side notes really for this before I give my opinion on it. Side notes are, normally in a fight, the referee would give the instructions in the ring and say where is okay to throw certain shots, what is illegal and what is not illegal to throw. And the user would point to the waistline, the belt line, which is essentially this invisible line of where you're not supposed to hit below. Now, that must have been done in the dressing room, of course, because it wasn't done in the pre-fight instructions, which is normally what you'd expect to see. So both of these men knew where was legal and illegal. And Usyk's shorts were at just below his belly button, just below his belly button. If you watch the fight and you watch it back and you pause it, you can see where Usyk's belly button is in the fight so it's not like he'd had him way too high so this invisible belt line that I'm referring to is it's not an actual belt line it's somewhat of a wide area of the actual belt of the shorts that each boxer is wearing because if that was the case every boxer would keep his shorts in an oblique style like Tyson Fury does in order to decrease the area where they can be targeted the belt line in boxing is literally like an imaginary line located on the level of the belly button so therefore, any hit delivered below the belly button is considered a low blow and thus illegal. Now, if you watch the fight and you stop it right before Usyk gets hit, you'll see that his belly button is exactly at the level of his shorts, thus making the punch he actually receives, which is on the belt of the shorts, illegal. So I hope that explanation gives a bit more context to it. And that is the rules of boxing. If it's displayed as to where this imaginary belt line is and the referee said, this is the belt line, this is where you're not allowed to hit below and them instructions have been given, 
then ultimately the reaction from the referee was what prompted Usyk to make a meal of it. Because, it, yeah, genuinely, it will have legitimately hurt him, whether it caught just above his bollocks or whether it was, you know, in a really sweet spot of the bladder. The fact is, I've explained what the belt line is and I've explained where the punch landed. Now, if that doesn't really tell you the story of what happened here, I don't know what will. So, initially, yes, I thought, on quick glances, when I was coming home last night from the concert, I was like, oh, yeah, that actually looks pretty much on the belt line. But then when you look further into this and you look at what the rules are of the sport and, and what is classed as a belt line and where the shorts go, it's below it. And that's why the referee's first reaction is to say, no, it's a, it's a low blow. And of course, Usyk was going to milk the opportunity to take as much time as he needed. To be honest, he was ready after two, three minutes. The referee kept telling him, you've got another minute, you've got another minute. Now, Louis Pabon is a very experienced referee, has officiated some really high-level championship bouts over his time. So I don't really have a, an issue with him as a referee. And what I will say is that if you look at the rules of the sport, that's what you have to go against. Regardless of how you feel about it, you have to be objective as possible. A lot of people, I think, are blinded by the fact that it looked like a really sweet-timed punch, which it was. It was really well-timed. It just wasn't in that exact spot it needed to be in, and it was just below it, and that's why the referees called it a low blow. And Usyk took his time, got his breath back, catched it. Dubai couldn't capitalise on it, and ultimately, Usyk then systematically broke him down. The other point I'd like to add is, obviously, everyone was going mad afterwards. Frank Warren, Don Charles, demanding the rematch. Frank Warren's talking about going to the WBA and saying they want to rule it a no contest. Ultimately, nothing's going to happen with that. I don't genuinely believe that we'll see any outcome as a result of this. I think if there was a protest about that shot, it should have been there and then at the time. And if you watch it again, nobody protests. The corner don't protest. Frank Warren doesn't protest. Nobody really, you don't see anything going on at ringside, any real commotion about it until after the fight has finished and who 6 won. So, I am saying that this, looking back on it properly, looking at the rules of the sport, this was an illegitimate shot that landed. And I know that's not going to please everyone's ears because I know not everyone's going to agree with it. And that's fine. You're entitled to your own opinion. And you can try and justify that and say what you need to say and tweet me at Sean BTR Boxing or BTR Boxing Pod and, and let me know why you think it's different. But I'm going off the rules of the sport, guys simple as that I'm going off the rules of the sport and that's what I think we're a lot of us are blinded to and I can be blinded to that at times but in this instance I've really looked into this this morning in prior to going for this episode and thinking Do you know I nearly need to be 100% solidified in my opinion that it's either a low blow in my mind or it's not a low blow and it, it was it's just such a shame it wasn't an inch or so higher because it probably wouldn't have been classed as a low blow and if you look at the shots that he does land after this, you can see where they're landing. They're landing just above the belt line or on the belt, just above the actual shorts, the belt on his shorts. That's what I'm trying to say badly, is if you look at some of the, the right hands he does land later in the fight, I think the seventh round he lands a really good shot as well. And I think it's sort of half on the belt of the shorts and half on his stomach. If that would have landed 
there in the fifth round and he would have gone down he would have been counted and would he have got up well a lot of people do think he might have actually got up from this now Johnston's not on this pod today because like I said he's actually on holiday but what he has done he sent me a little message this morning with his opinion so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to read out what he's actually said in his opinion now he said when you look at what happened last night it, it's very close but everything points to the referee he instantly calls a timeout to the timekeeper signing that he has called it for a low blow now from that point Usyk knows he has five minutes so for Johnston he thinks that Usyk milked it and he takes them four minutes which he did now if the ref have started a count at this point Usyk would have got up that's Johnston's opinion he would have got up and although he probably would have been on his bike for the next two minutes the result Johnston feels would have been the same the fact that we don't see the ref mention where a low blow is at the introductions means that he did it in the dressing room. It was a split-second decision that the ref had to make, and he called it low. So, like we said, we can check the rules and regulations and decide for ourselves what we believe, which, in some people's mind, isn't really conclusive. But Daniel wasn't robbed. That's the ultimate conversation here. No matter what people say, and people are going to disagree with me, going to disagree with Johnston, both of us are solidified in the fact that he wasn't robbed. It was a moment in the sport where, if anything, now it just calls for more transparency with regards to the rules again, if that's the problem. But both of us believe that it wasn't a low blow. Whilst it was very close, it wasn't a low blow. Now, it isn't going to please everybody to hear that, but it is what it is. And there's nothing we can do to change it at this point in time. No matter what Frank Warren says or does, he isn't going to get this turned into a no contest. There was no rematch clause in it. The IBF are making, obviously, Philip Hergovic the next in line to fight for the IBF title that is currently held by Usyk. So, Dubai isn't going to get his chance. And it's a shame, of course. I understand why people are really upset about it. It, it was just about low. Just about low. And we just have to kind of move on from it. There are there are some things in this sport that are much worse than that incident last night. The fact that we've had another positive test for banned substances with Robert Hellenius, you know, that has, has been distracted from the fact that we've had this incident in this fight last night. What about the Robert Hellenius incident? I'm taking it on a different tangent here, guys, but there's more pressing issues in this sport about drugs testing and the amount of people on banned substances and getting popped for it than there is about an incident which was debatable. I think Dubai put on a really good performance in this fight, guys. I really do think he did better than what I expected. He landed some good shots. He's shown some vulnerabilities. If anything, now, what he's done is probably made Tyson Fury sit there, lick his lips and go, actually, do you know what? Maybe I will take this fight. Maybe I will have this fight. I know I can beat this guy. The footwork of Tyson Fury much better than Daniel Dubois. The head movement, the body movement for a big guy is much better. So it would make it a much more competitive fight. And I think Tyson Fury Usyk, it's got to happen. It has to happen next year. That's the fight we need to see for this generation's heavyweight division. We need to see the two best and the two best are Usyk and Fury. Daniel Dubois will go away at the age of 25 and take a lot of experience from this, a hell of a lot of experience. And think about it. Usyk's going to be finishing his career in the next two years. So is Fury. So is Joshua. So is Wilder. Who else is going to be around then to step in to the midst? You've got Daniel Dubois. You've got Jared Anderson, who got a great victory also last night. 
So it's these types of fighters now that are going to be moving on and they need performances. They need fights. They need experiences against top-level operators, generational operators that are going to give guys like Dubois the experiences to move on. I think Dubois has got a potential to be a world champion, but he's got to learn from these fights. Did he learn from the Joyce fight? I think so. Has he learned from the Kevin Lorena fight? I'd say so. Is he going to learn from this fight? Well, yeah, he will. Of course he will. He'll have to. If he wants to be a champion, then he's going to have to be. He's going to have to move on. He wants to be a, a normal champion, not a regular version of the WBA title. He wants to be a legit... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Unified champion, or he wants to be an IBF or even a WBC champion, he's got to take everything he can from this. He's still very young. 25 in heavyweight terms. He's still very young. So he's got another potential 10 years in his boxing career, albeit he stays injury free and doesn't suffer anything significant in the ring. So, give him the credit. Well, he deserves it. He deserves the credit. I know people saying he should be a unified champion at this point, and this debate will rage on for days. But ultimately, the rules of the sport are there, and I think you have to take a step back from your emotions for a moment and really look at it and look at what the rules of the sport are and then review it again. And if you're still solidified in that opinion that it was a low, wasn't a low blow and that he should be champion, then that's fair enough. But there's a lot of people in the sport, boxers, trainers, promoters alike, that said it was a low blow. And there's a lot of others that are saying the same. We're never really going to be able to get an answer as to who is right and who is wrong in this situation. So we have to sit and take it as it is. Would I be in uproar if it was a different fighter? No, not really. If At the end of the day, if the rules are there for a reason, we have to follow the rules of the sport. If the rules are adhered to, I can't really argue against the rules and the rules were adhered to in this instance. If you're not fully inclined and understanding of the rules of this sport, then that's something you need to go away and look at. And I think the fact that we didn't see the instructions, we didn't see what was classed as this imaginary slash invisible belt line in the dressing room, so we didn't know what was going to be classed as low and what wasn't. To me, 
whatever angle you look at it, it is slightly, it's slightly low. So I'm going to stick with that. No matter what you guys say, or if you don't agree with me, if you agree with me, great. But if you don't, you don't. But I'm sticking to the fact that I do believe it was, it was slightly just a little bit too low. And that is why ultimately the referee called. There was no hesitation as well, was there? You know, when you look back at it, the referee had no hesitation to call it a low blow. So if there was any doubt in anybody's mind, the referee really should have quelled that straight away. They're the one that's officiating. There's people ringside. If anybody else at ringside officiating felt like it was low, then maybe there could have been a debate. Maybe this whole VAR in boxing is a conversation to have, but then how much then does it take away from the sport? It's certainly a conversation maybe that at some point me and Johnson will have again, but people were talking about it last night. You know, do we need VAR in boxing for stuff like this? We do have instant replays, of course, and they were shown last night. But the referee ultimately has to make a decision. And I think if you start getting into that can of worms, what does it take away from the sport then? Different conversation for a different day, of course. But ultimately, the fight went on. Usyk was able to systematically break De Bruyne down and stop him in nine rounds. The referee stopped the fight after De Bruyne went down again for a second time. He goes down at the end of the eighth and then goes down again in the ninth. And ultimately, the referee says, no, you, you've had enough even though Dubois gets up again around 8-9. And Dubois still comes away with a lot of credit, and Usyk goes on now to possibly fight Hergovic and then hopefully Tyson Fury. But there's definitely weaknesses with Usyk, and that, that's what I've taken away from it. That Usyk, Usyk weakness to the body is going to be something that I'm sure, as I said, Tyson Fury is going to be licking his lips at. So let's see how this plays out now over the next 12 months, whether we actually finally see Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk. I really do hope we do. I really do, because I think we'll get one of the great technical fights of this generation. But that wasn't the only fight, of course, of the weekend. I've spent a lot of time talking about that specific fight because of the controversy of round number five. Now, as I said earlier, there were fights happening in America, and it was a weekend of low blows as well. If you go and watch the Effie Jagba and Butsky fight, there was a disqualification in that fight because of the fact that Kosobutsky actually delivered some real low blows. If you want to see a proper low blow, go and look at the Kabutsky fight and with Effie Jagba and then see the difference between these two. Effie Jagba actually was struggling a little bit with him in the early rounds, but managed to start to capitalise as the rounds went on, sort of third, fourth round in when the actual disqualification happened. And Kosobutsky started to get a little bit frustrated and throw these really low shots. And ultimately, the referee disqualifies him. So, Effie Jackman moves on in his heavyweight career while he's trying to rebuild after his loss to Frank Sanchez. And then you had Jared Anderson, as I mentioned earlier, who took five rounds to beat down Andre Rodenko, which was a, a really good return to this knockout form. Obviously, with his last fight, a points win over Charles Martin. People were starting to think, oh, is he not all that? Well, he's come back and beat a really good fighter in Rodenko, and he and he moves on in his career. Uh, Bakadir Jalalov got a KO in the first round as well, and with an upset on this particular card, Nico Ali Walsh actually lost fire and Dorit a decision to Sona Akali. So the grandson of Muhammad Ali actually loses his first fight in his ninth professional fight. Are people going to start losing interest in him because he's lost the fight? Uh, I don't think so. I'm still going to be interested in him a little bit. You know, I'm still interested in, in other fighters like F.A. Jagber and Jared Anderson who, who will be fighting in bigger fights, I would imagine, in the next 12 to 18 months. So it's certainly worth keeping an eye on a lot of these fighters on that particular card. But also on the undercard of Usyk versus De Bruyne was the 
debut of Prince Nazim Hamed's son, Adam Hamed. Now, this also caused a little bit of controversy as well because seemingly he's had no competitive experience. And for him then to come in and be matched with a guy who had had three fights, won one and lost two, who looked like he'd been plucked from the streets, I must add, was quite shocking to see. I've seen Adam Hamed obliterate a guy who didn't look like he had a lot of experience whatsoever. If anybody was the one that had no competitive experience, it looked like his opponent, Wojciech Herdy. He looked like he'd just been plucked off the street. I know I've said that three times now, but it really did. He, the guy's defence was, was pretty shocking. He backs into the corner. Hamed's just peppering away. I mean, ultimately, the referee stops the fight and gives the win to Hamed. This comparison of, of sons and fathers is always going to happen, and we've mentioned this previously in other podcasts when we've talked about Conor Byrne and Campbell Hatton and you know fighters like them. Chris Eubank Jr., of course, who's fighting next weekend. Is Hamed going to live up to his father's expectation? Well, nobody knows. For me, what I want to see with someone like him is what I've always said needs to happen with someone with very little or no experience competitively in the amateur side of the sport. You need to build him up. You need to build him up to a point. You need to get him 10 fights in and start to match him against better opposition as time goes on. Give him the opportunities. Give him the experiences. It's so important to have an amateur career in the sport. But if you do not have one and you go straight to professional and you bypass that way of the sport, then you've got to have your amateur career essentially in your first 15, 20 fights at least. So don't be surprised if Hamed ends up fighting 15 to 20 journeymen of different levels before he actually then takes a real test. If he's good enough and they feel he's good enough, then they might move him quicker. But if it was me personally, I'd want to be moving him relatively slower and and making sure that he gets his experiences that he needs. There's nothing we can take away from that fight. There's absolutely nothing by watching that fight that we can take away and say, do you know what? He's actually going to look really phenomenal. He's going to be like his dad. I know people said there's some sort of similarities to his dad's style in watching him. But what can you take from that fight, really? I don't think there's a lot you can, personally. Well, also on the undercard, Dennis Berenchik got the victory over Anthony Yigit. I expected a win there for Berenchik. I think he's definitely moving forward in his career in the lightweight division. It's a very competitive lightweight division as well. So at the age of 35... What opportunities is he going to get in a very stacked division full of very competitive opponents? We'll we'll see, won't we? Of course, we'll see what happens as as time goes on with him. But to be honest, guys, that that pretty much sums up what this weekend was all about for boxing, and and it really kind of goes back to the original conversation around the fight with Usyk and Dubai and the controversy over this particular fight. I'm really interested to hear people's thoughts and opinions. I've had a few messages actually off people who have who have spoken about it and, and mentioned this fight to me and people that, you know, casually watch the sport and one particular guy that I know pretty well uh, called Jimmy who, who go to the gym with, Jimmy was saying, you know, he looked at the fight and he said, Dubois really did really well considering, uh, but Usyk knew what he was doing. He's, he's, you know, even somebody that that dips in and out of the sport could see that Usyk was sort of milking that situation for what it was. And I totally get 
that's how people perceived it. But then, like I said earlier, there's a lot of people that have perceived it's completely different. You know, there's people that train at the gym I train at, Michael Gomez Jr., Marvin Greaves, those two guys, they talked about how this wasn't a low blow and how they believed it was a legal body shot. Well, at the end of the day, we don't know the instructions that were given in the dressing room. We don't know what was identified as the belt line. And if you look at it again, you look at where it landed, it, it, it was a little bit on the belt, but it was on his belt of his shorts, I must add again. But it was, to me, a little bit too low. And that's why ultimately both myself and Johnston agree that, yeah, I think it's close, but it's it's still low. And that's why the referees ultimately made the decision that he's made in the fight. And would it have changed the fight? We're never going to know, guys. We're never going to know. If it was ruled a legitimate knockdown, would Usyk have got up? I think so. I mean, he looked like he was struggling, but was that all theatrics from Usyk? Was it theatrics from him? We're never going to know this. I know we can always sit there and go, oh yeah, it looked like Usyk was, was on his last legs there and that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to be able to get up from it, but we're never going to know. Usyk took advantage of that situation straight away and he milked it for as long as he could because he knew he could get five minutes. So no matter what you think about what happened here, nothing's going to change the fact. Would he have got up and carried on and destroyed Daniel Dubois by nine rounds in? I think a lot of us feel that he probably would have done that. So I think what we need to remember here is rules and regulations of the sport. And no matter what you say, I'm sticking to that opinion. So if you guys absolutely want to go against that, please let me know. What what are your justifications behind it? Why do you think that this wasn't a low blow? What do you know differently that makes this a body shot and not a low blow? I'm really interested to hear because it is a very debatable topic and it's better than talking about drugs cheats for a change and it's better than talking about bad scorecards for a change. It is something different that's happened and it really bleeds into what the rules of the sport are. So I am genuinely interested to hear what people do have to say about this. But that was the fight of the weekend. We really enjoyed being able to sit back and watch it for what it was and start to plan about what's going to happen in this heavyweight division moving forward. Looks like it's going to be Usyk versus Hergovic next. Tyson Fury fights Francis Ngannou in the crossover fight in October. Hopefully we'll get the big fight between Usyk and Fury next year. But at this moment in time, we've got to sit back and wait and see how the heavyweight division pans out. Because at the moment... We're just not getting what we want to see. And until we get that, we're not going to be happy, are we, as fight fans? That's the main thing for us. But this is it for this episode, guys. I'm going to be back again with another episode tomorrow. A big fight preview between Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. The rematch that has been postponed twice. And we're finally getting to see it the 2nd of September. I will be back on my own, solo, doing an episode, previewing that fight and that particular card as I talk about what happens between Smith and Eubank in that fight. As we've also said, there's a little break in the Career Profiles podcast just for a couple of weeks while both myself and Johnston are away on our family holidays. This and the Smith-Eubank preview will be the last episodes for around about a week or so. But we will be back with a new Career Profiles episode on the 4th of September. So please do listen out for that. And if you've not tuned into any of the other episodes, please make sure you go and tune into them. Another episode that has just also been put out on the main podcast feed is Wants to Watch. 
I've started to bring the ones to watch podcast back into the foray. I mentioned about going out and doing more episodes with people and doing more face-to-face stuff with people. And I got one of the professionals from the gym, Jason Cohen, onto the podcast. He came round, did a podcast with me. Really great conversation with him. He's transitioned into the professional side of the sport. He's currently 1-0. But he talks about his journey through the sport. He makes some valid points about the transition between amateur and professional. So please make sure you listen to the podcast with Jason Cohen as we start to get more of these interviews back up and running for the ones to watch series but that is it for this particular episode guys thank you to everybody for listening as always let me know what your opinions are on this low blow situation you can tweet me at Sean BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or on Instagram you can find me on Facebook as well any comments you want to put on there do it you can find us as a podcast at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on TikTok as well. Finally, a big shout-out goes to the Patreons of this podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for supporting us. The support you've given us has allowed me to go out and be able to purchase this new equipment to start doing more of the mobile podcast again and start getting back to the origins of what this podcast started out at in 2017. So big thank you to you guys. If you're not a patron, Check us out at patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network. You can support us financially, but you can become a member and get early access to episodes, add free versions of the episodes, series-based content earlier than anybody else. You can get patron-only content specifically recorded for that feed so that you can listen to all these one-off specials that we've done and you can listen to our Boxing Through the Decades exclusive series, which is around about halfway through its series at the moment. So please... Come and check us out, patreon.com forward slash BTR Boxing Podcast Network. That is it for this episode. I will be back with a big fight preview, and I'll speak to you very shortly. Podcast Network.